Just a little bit there of the Piano Quintet No. 1 by composer Thomas Adis. This piece is usually performed as one movement, but it's in three sections, and each of the sections corresponds to a part of the sonata form. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead. Very happy on the program today to be playing all of the Piano Quintet by Thomas Adis. I think it's absolutely a masterpiece. I've been listening to it for the last uh, several weeks over and over and over again, and it is this incredibly complex piece, and I mean that in a very good way. I don't mean that in the, that it's cerebral, because it is, but Thomas Adis is this composer who I think really combines head and heart. We understand sonata form inside our, our beings to a certain extent because we've been hearing it for so long. It's in some respects a very simple idea. It dates back to Haydn, or at least the term sonata form dates back to Haydn. I think the concept goes back a lot further. If you think of music, you always have a theme, and then you can have a contrasting theme, and then the original theme can come back or not. It's up to the composer, it's up to the folk musician, however it goes. In sonata form, you take this very simple idea of, say, A, B, A, and you blow it up in this amazing way. Instead of an A theme, we have an A section, which may be comprised of one or two sub-themes. Instead of a B theme, we have a development section. This was a new idea in the time of Haydn that you would take one of those themes from the beginning and you'd have some fun with it. You could turn it upside down, you could augment or diminish the rhythm, you could turn it into different keys. You could just have a lot of fun with it. And then you have the A section coming back. Now, though, transformed by having gone through that development process, that interesting crucible. And so it never quite comes back the same way as we heard it in the beginning. Really interesting idea, sonata form. And I want to say that already in the time of Mozart, Beethoven, who really perfected the sonata form, the different sections of it were not crystal clear. It's certainly not crystal clear today with the composers that I'm featuring on the program. So it's not my intention to try and show you exactly what's happening in the music, but instead to talk about the three composers that I'm featuring, Kirill Makan, David Maslanka, and Thomas Adis. And I want to talk about the way that they're injecting new ideas, new energy into this old form. Let's go to the David Maslanka now, which I think is a little bit more straightforward in terms of use of sonata form. Let us get our feet wet a little bit before we dive right into the sonata pool, as it were. Uh, this is a piece called Sonata for alto saxophone and piano. So the composer is actually even using the word sonata in the title. The composer is David Maslanka, who had a great career writing music for wind instruments. His symphonies are for wind band, and he wrote a lot of pieces like this, sonatas for individual wind instruments with piano. He really knows that word very, very well. And he's a 20th century composer who kind of went his own way in that he was using a lot of traditional tonal music in the 20th century, which was somewhat unusual. But again, uh, he was very, very successful at it. This piece is an interesting use of sonata form because instead of, say, having an A section that then develops in the B section, his development is actually a juxtaposition of styles. So we open in a very sort of Schubert-esque, song-like fashion, and then in the development section he incorporates modern techniques, a lot of extended techniques in the saxophone. It's much more dissonant in the piano. And then in the recapitulation he combines the two in a really, really fascinating way. Let's have a listen. This is the first movement of the sonata for alto saxophone and piano. We're going to hear Stephen Jordheim on alto sax and Christina Dahl piano performing the music of David Maslanka.
the first movement of a piece that has become, well, in many ways, the cornerstone of the saxophone repertoire. It's a fantastic piece. It is the Sonata for Alto Saxophone and Piano, and we heard the first movement. A pretty clear example of sonata form, although some interesting things happening. We definitely hear little hints of, of the A theme, the opening theme in the development section, but again, I think this idea that Maslanka had of juxtaposing style, of introducing contemporary music techniques, extended techniques, etc., in the development section and more or less only in the development section is an interesting idea, an interesting way to think about this sonata form. And let's remember that this idea of a development section was a great innovation in music history. And the piece that we heard again by David Maslanka is from his sonata for alto saxophone and piano. And we heard Stephen Jordheim, alto saxophone, and Christina Dahl, piano. The next composer wrote a piece for percussion and violin, and this is kind of interesting because I read an interview with the composer in which the interviewer says, 
it's a really clear-cut example of sonata form and the composer says basically oh no don't tell me that i was trying so hard to get away from the past and i, and I love that uh, that, that uh, in a way you almost can't i mean because again it's 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 such a, a crystal clear idea isn't it that you would have a musical idea you might play with that idea and then it might come back transformed in some way i mean it, it, to a certain extent you, you could make an argument that many many pieces are in sonata form whether the composer says they are or not and this piece again it's for violin and percussion so the formal elements here are much more abstracted we're not going to hear clear melodies what's actually coming back or being played with in, in the development section is rhythm of course in the percussion section but also instrumentation remember that the percussionist can play a dizzying array of different instruments and one of the most fascinating things that the composer Kirill Makan does at the end of the piece is to introduce a thunder sheet we've all heard the thunder sheet uh, if, if you've heard old movies it is exactly what it sounds like the the thunder sheet is this amazing sound and we get some of the opening rhythms of the beginning of the piece but now at the end transformed for the thunder sheet the piece is rather long it's about 17 and a half minutes again i think we will disagree all day long as to where exactly the development section happens but i'll give you a clue or at least from where i think it happens listen to the opening material in the violin and then listen to how it transforms oh a little over a third of the way into the piece here is the either or ensemble jennifer Choi violin and david shively percussion this is a wild wild piece i love it so much it is by kirill makan
Thank you.
Here's a great example of a composer doing a lot with a little, so to speak, in terms of instrumentation at least. He's only got violin and percussion, and wow, he makes a joyful noise with those two instruments. Uh, from the aggressive opening, there are some quieter moments in the piece, then the, the thunder sheet that comes in at the end. Well, for me at least, it's just such a fascinating idea that he holds that back all the way till the end of the piece and then brings it in in this amazing fashion. Really an incredible piece. It's called Two, just the numeral Two. The composer is Kirill Makan, and we heard the Either Or Ensemble, Jennifer Choi Violin, performing alongside David Shively Percussion. The piece is loosely organized in a kind of sonata form. I still, I would be open to interpretations, though, about where the development section starts. For me, at least, I'm thinking about it in terms of the pitch material that's in the violin. And again, about a third of the way through, I start to hear some of that material come back in the violin, uh, transformed a little bit. It does sound to me like he's developing it. However, I would be very open to the interpretation that the development is actually happening in the percussion and that it is in terms of the instrumental changes. Very interesting example by composer Kirill Makan. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. And I am interested today in contemporary composers looking back to the distant past and reinvigorating the sonata form, one of the oldest forms in music. To subscribe to our podcast for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, or if you'd like to get a complete playlist of the music that we featured on the program today, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. I'm featuring the music on the program today of three contemporary composers who are inspired to use an older form to structure their piece, and that is the sonata form. And on, on one side, it's really not that surprising that you would be drawn to the sonata form because it's like telling a story. I mean, you leave your house, you go out, you have adventures, and you come back home. It's like Lord of the Rings or something. But what's also really, really fascinating about sonata form is, at least as far as I can tell, this is one of the first moments in musical history where we're looking forward to the composer as an artist. We have this idea that a composer is writing a theme and then developing that theme, playing with it, and he or she is doing so purely for the enjoyment of doing so, exactly as an artist would. And so to me at least, that's another fascinating aspect of sonata form. I heard this piece by Thomas Adis, the quintet, oh, just a couple of months ago, which is a little bit strange because I know his music and love it, but I heard the piece for the first time and I was struck by it, not only the piece itself musically because it is a, such an incredible creation. I mean, really, absolutely in every way possible, but it's also this interesting use of the sonata form. And in the recording, the piece, though it's one movement, they made this interesting decision to break it into three tracks, which are the three sections of sonata form. So we know exactly where the exposition is. We know exactly where the development is and where the recap is. We're not gonna argue about that, but boy, we can have some lively discussions about how he's using the musical material within those sections. The whole piece is using some pretty wild rhythmic treatment. In fact, he's invented some time signatures, including 3-7, 3-5. He's no longer using symmetrical divisions of the beat like we've used in the past. Let's hear the beginning. So this is the first section, the exposition, starts in the first violin, moves gradually into the rest of the quartet, and then it starts in the piano as well. Here is the Calder Quartet to perform the music of Thomas Addis with the composer himself at the piano.
That's the first section of Piano Quintet Number no. 1 by Thomas Adis, who we heard performing on the piano with the Arditi Quartet, which uh, to me at least is an example of a composer really putting his money where his mouth is, because a lot of composers write complex rhythms. Most of us, we just sit in the audience and let other people do it, <laughs> and here he is doing it himself. He's like, no, I can count these. You should be able to as well. And in so many ways, there's so much happening in that first section of the quintet. I mean, my goodness, it is a dense piece, isn't it? Although it's interesting when the, when the quintet comes together, it's just almost shocking. It's wonderful. There's so many places where they're playing in different time signatures. The time signatures themselves are so strange. I mean, those opening chords in the first violin are permutated in many ways, not only tonally, and this is a tonal piece. It's complex tonality, but nonetheless, it is a tonal piece, but also rhythmically, and in fact, especially rhythmically. And I really think we could argue in many, many ways what he's doing, because the the exposition, as it were, is almost an exposition of different time signatures. Again, some of them fanciful. What he's done temporally is one of the most interesting things I've ever heard a composer do. Absolutely fascinating. Okay, so that's the exposition. That's the presentation, as it were, of the musical materials. Let's move to the development, the second section, and let's try to find out what the heck he's developing here. We know it's going to be rhythmic, right? Probably tonally, it's going to be those three notes or, or the three note chords that opened it. Let's Let's just hear those again. The very, very beginning of the quintet this is the first violin. Okay, so that's the very opening of the piece. So that's what he might be developing tonally. And then rhythmically, well, the sky's the limit. Here we go. This is the second section, the development section of the piano quintet number one.
That's the development section of the Adi's Quintet Number no. 1. We heard the Arditi Quartet with Thomas Adi's piano. Well, again, this, this is very complex music, but just quickly, he does take those opening tones, if you remember them, the first violin plays them in the first movement, and he does fascinating things with them. They now are spread out between the quintet. We hear, instead of an opening run that goes up, it now goes down in the beginning of the development section. And then we hear those tones in the accompaniment in the strings. The piano is playing chords that are related to them, and then we're off and running from there. Adis has so much fun with this piece. It's absolutely incredible. I don't know too many composers who have such an interesting sense of rhythm as Adis, and I would say of, of harmony and tonality too. Speaking of, let's move to the third section now, which can often be a, a straight up restatement of the opening material of the piece, or it can be the opening material kind of transformed from having gone through the crucible of the development. But usually it would only be transformed in terms of key. Uh, wouldn't be such a transformation as we hear in the Adis, because what he's done here is absolutely incredible. A reviewer said it sounds like the music of the opening has been sucked through a black hole <laughs> because he runs it in four times its speed. It gradually speeds up until it's this frenetic, absolutely just, I mean, jaw-clenching finish to the piece. What an interesting idea for a recapitulation. Here is the third section, the recap of the quintet number one.
here's the finale of the piano quintet number one. Again, this is written all in one movement. It's a big sonata form, although boy, does he push the conventions of sonata form. I mean, for me, it's just, it's so anxiety inducing. <laughs> Absolutely a wonderful performance to the Arditi Quartet for whom the piece was written with the composer himself, Thomas Adis at the piano. I devoted the whole second half of the show to that piece because the sonata form ha has never been I utilized in such a fascinating cerebral degree. And yet I think there's some great emotional content to this piece as well. This is not just cerebral. As I said at the very beginning of the program, I think Adi's has found a synthesis of the head and the heart. He uses the sonata form here to kind of provide unity for his piece, structural unity, he wasn't content to just write a sonata. He wanted to push the boundaries of what the form could do. And I would say that of all three of the composers that I featured on the program today, all three of them really, really have this idea that they're going to use an older form, but they're going to juxtapose it with this idea of pushing what that form can do. Relevant Tones has been produced by Sarah Zwinglis, and our production intern is Patrick Hochberger. Heather McDougall is the project manager, and the executive producer is Tony Macaluso. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm Seth Bosted from the WFMT Radio Network, Chicago.